This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. Y'all ready? Hey Amen. I'm excited about it. Tell somebody to say it's going to be big. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I think about that and I think about the idea that there are big things that God has for you, I don't care where you are and what phase you are in your life and what stage you are, you might be a child or you might be a senior citizen. God's not through with you yet. And you say, well, how do you know that? How can you say that without being presumptuous? Because I know that God has never created anyone that he didn't have a plan for. And if you're still here, it's because his plan is still good. His plan is still being realized in your life. Come on, somebody. And along the way, when God has a plan, and when we know that God has something for us, he gives us some things that we call promises. 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 And it doesn't matter. Some of us, um, well, let me say this to you. The Bible is filled with thousands of promises. Thousands. As a matter of fact, there's a promise for every need that you might have in your life. Every need you have, there is a promise. You know, um, the Bible started with the very first promise. This is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And that was after man fell. And y'all know we made a big mess. But the Lord promises that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that promise alluded to what happened over 4,000 years later on Calvary, that Jesus gained the victory through his death over sin, Satan, and evil. And then there's a final promise in, Genesis, in uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. He says, behold, I come quickly, that he would come back, he would return. And so from the very beginning, there was a promise in Genesis to the very last chapter of Revelation, there's a promise. Anybody believe in God for anything this morning? Anybody got a promise you standing on this morning? Because, I mean, there's a lot of promises. You know, the prom- there's promises such as he'll supply my needs according to his riches and glory. That's a promise. There's a promise that if you seek, you shall what? If you knock, you shall what? The door shall what? If you ask, you shall what? Those are all promises. There's promises that when he started in your life, he will bring to completion. That is a promise. There's a promise that he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. There are so many promises in the scripture. But when you think about the first promise that was in Genesis chapter 1, 3, and you get to the New Testament where it is fulfilled, there was thousands of years that went by. There was a little gap in time, right? When we think about the promise that Jesus said that he would go, but he would return, right? He's been gone for about 2,000 years. That's a long trip. How many know he's still coming back? But there's a gap in time. We, it's at least 2,000 years because that's roughly what has passed so far. And so what I notice about promises, there's always a spatial gap between when a promise is proclaimed and when it's performed. Let me say that again. There's always a spatial gap. There's a space that you stand in between hearing a promise when it's proclaimed and then having the promise when it's performed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a gap. There, and, and, and 
I'm going to argue right quick to make sure that you guys are tracking with me that if there is no gap, if there's no spatial gap, then it's not a promise. Because if I'm, I could either say to Sister Rhonda, I'm going to use you because you're standing here. I could either say, come on, you can get up. Uh, this, is, this is the brains behind. I'm just playing with you. <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> amen, amen. And the beauty. So I don't know what he's bringing to the table, but we do bless the Lord for you this morning. I'm just kidding. All right. So I could say, I could say I'm going to give you this, right? So I'll give it to you. Did I, now have I made her promise? No, because I actually put it in her hand. She has it. But if I say to you after service today, this is yours. Is that a promise? How do you know? Because I said it, but what else? There's a gap in between between what I said it and when it's actually delivered. Are you following me? And so thank you for that. And so when you, when you hear the promises of God and you know the promises of God, there is a gap between when he says what he says and when he actually delivers on his promise. It reminds me when, um, and I've told this story, but I relived it again last month when I was back in London. In London, uh, they have trains. It's very, it reminds you a lot of New York City and the, tr the train system, and they call it, when it goes in the ground, the tube instead of the subway. But whenever you get off of the train, there's a recorded voice, and the recorded voice comes on as the door, as the train is pulling in, and the doors are opening, and it says very electronically sounding, Mind the gap. Let's mind the gap. <laughs> In English. <laughs> American English, yeah. Which they laugh at, but anyway. So it says, mind, and what the recording is there to remind you of is that when the train pulls up and when the doors open, there's a gap between the door of the train and the platform. And when it says mind the gap, it's saying be mindful that there's a space between where you are and where you're going to land. And I came this morning to tell you that when God gives you a promise, you've got to mind the gap. Because there's a space from where you are to where you're going that you've got to be mindful of what you do in that space because what you do in that space might determine whether or not you are in position to receive the promise. Ah, I'm, I'm ready. Y'all ready? I am ready. So what we're going to do this morning is talk about the promise of Pentecost. I'm not talking about Pentecost this morning. I'm just talking about the promise of Pentecost this morning as we get ready to move towards next week because what you're going to find out is even with the promise of Pentecost that there was a gap, there was a space that they had to stand in between when it was promised and when it was preformed and, and so if you're waiting on a promise of God, how many are waiting for a promise of God to show up in your life? You're waiting for God to deliver your child. You're waiting for God to do something different in your marriage. You're waiting for God to heal your body. You're waiting on a promise of God or a prayer request even. I want to show you this morning three things you can do when you're in that space. You ready? Let's go. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 through 11. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them, the disciples, this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Somebody say promised. 
He said, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, um, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it ain't for you to know it's above your pay grade. (laughs) It ain't for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. And I just need you to know that when Jesus rose, he hung out for a while, and then after that, he ascended, in case you didn't know that he ascended. Because, folks, where if he rose, where he at? <laughs> verse 10 they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them men of Galilee they said why do you stand here looking into the sky the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven let's let's talk just a bit this morning about the promise of Pentecost So when we start here in the gospel, what we notice is that in the book of Acts, that Acts is a follow-up from Luke's gospel. So the author of Acts is the guy that we call Luke. And as many of you already know, Luke was a doctor, and he gave careful attention to go back and ensure he had an accurate history of exactly what happened during this time period after the resurrection of Christ. Previous to the scripture, you'll recognize that Jesus, he's telling us in this context, he's saying that Jesus walked around for 40 days. He was here for 40 days after the resurrection. So he didn't just immediately exit. He was here for 40 days after the resurrection. The scripture tells us that he appeared to 500 at one time. I'll show you more about that later. He appeared to the 12 disciples. He appeared to different others that were named in the scriptures. So for 40 days, he's having many appearances, but he spent a lot of his time with the disciples post-resurrection. And then here we are, right on the precipice of him ascending back to the Father. And what he tells them is, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but to what? Wait. Mm. I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to wait. Don't leave Jerusalem, but what? Wait for the gift my father promised. Why? Because between a promise being proclaimed and performed, you stand in a space where you must wait. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. In other words, he says, I want you to start in Jerusalem. So now you have to ask yourself, well, why Jerusalem? Why start in Jerusalem? Why not Rome? Why didn't he send them over to Ethiopia? Why start in Jerusalem? He says to them, essentially, if you just from the context of scripture, there's a few reasons why they would wait in Jerusalem. The first one is that Paul tells us very clearly that salvation is first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. In other words, God wanted the gospel message to be preached to the Jewish people. It started with the Jewish people, but it would expand on to the Gentiles. That's the first reason. The second reason was that all these folks that had seen these post-resurrection appearances of Christ were also going to be witnesses. In other words, These were not just people who had heard that Jesus rose from the dead. These are people that saw with their own eyes, that witnessed, 
that had conversation, that had interaction, the disciples who actually ate with a resurrected Christ. It's one thing for you to get up and, and, and you know, get up, you know, and go on a missionary journey from, from here and say, you know what, I'm going to go down to Ethiopia, I'm going to go to India, and I'm going to preach the gospel where no one has heard anything, where no one can refute it. He said, let's start in Jerusalem. He said, I want you to start in Jerusalem where the tomb is empty. I want you to start in Jerusalem where it wasn't just one who saw a resurrected Jesus. Wasn't just two. Wasn't just five. Wasn't just 50. Wasn't just 100. Wasn't just 200. Wasn't just 300. Over 500 saw a resurrected Savior. And I want you to preach the gospel there with a sense of power and with a sense of conviction because you saw it, they saw it, and you can be a witness first in Jerusalem. Then we're going to spread out. He says, don't you dare leave Jerusalem because I've got a plan to reach the Jews. I've got a people that are going to testify that they've seen the risen Christ. And I've got a place. The place is Jerusalem. It is the place that he's going to pour out his spirit. And the third, the, the other part about it is not only that, but he's got a promise. He says, I'm, he says I want you to wait for the gift my father promised. This is not new. This is not new news. This is, when Jesus is speaking to them, he's telling them something that they've heard before. How do you know, preacher? Because as, as Jews that followed the Old Testament Torah, they would have been familiar with what Joel chapter 2 says, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. They would have been familiar with the promise that had already been proclaimed a long time ago, but he's saying, hold up, it's still coming. Let me just throw this out here right quick. Just because it has not come doesn't mean that it's not still coming. And sometimes it might have been proclaimed a long time ago, but you may be closer to the fulfillment of it than you know. And so... He lets us know that it was promised by the Father. It was preached by John. John, as Jesus is coming, he said, I've got to baptize him. He says, he said, I'm baptizing you, he says, with water. But he said, there's one coming, talking about Jesus, who's greater than me that will baptize you with fire, talking about the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus himself talked about the Holy Spirit during his earthly ministry of about three and a half years. He said, he said, for out of your belly shall flow waters, rivers of water shall flow out of your belly. And the scripture says, for he spoke of the spirit that was to come. So this is not a new promise. This is, you know, you know let me tell you what this is. You ever go to church and the preacher will say something and then you hear it, I don't know, six months, whenever, later, and like, I heard that already. You can say it. It's okay. I ain't offended. <laughs> can you imagine Jesus showing him saying, stay in Jerusalem because what your ancestors and their ancestors heard about the spirit coming, the spirit is coming. Stay in Jerusalem because when you saw John the Baptist, he was talking about the Spirit is coming. That's a promise. Stay there. And then he says, remember while I was with you, we talked about this before, fellas, that the Spirit is coming. And sometimes it looks like because you've heard something so often that sometimes we can take it for granted that it's actually going to happen. 
we can kind of be, you know, kind of like, I, I don't know, or okay, but he said, no, I need you to wait in Jerusalem because there's a promise that got your name on it. And so what I need you to understand, because we're looking back at what has already happened, that Pentecost was a promise. Somebody shout, Pentecost was a promise. Oh, they didn't know it was coming on Pentecost Sunday, but Pentecost itself, the spirit being given, was a promise. And what he's doing in this scenario is he's telling his disciples, he's telling his disciples, he's telling them to wait for the promise. And guess what? He's still telling his disciples today to wait for the promise. He's still telling you to wait for the promise. He's, I, I don't know about y'all, but there's been many times in my life that I've had to wait for God to show up. I prayed about something in January, but maybe he didn't show up to June. I prayed for God to move in a specific area of my life. It looked like he started moving to every other area but that area. And sometimes you've got to wait for the promise. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're waiting for God to show up. Kind of like any minute now, God would be great because we had to cut off. And so you might be waiting for God to show up in your health. Or maybe you're waiting for God to show up in your marriage. Or maybe you need God to show up in your employment or another relationship. He's telling you the same thing that he told them. Wait. Wait, y'all know in social media clips, one of the things that, you know, they got, if you're watching, you know, those of y'all that are on TikTok, don't act like you don't know what TikTok is. <laughs> Sometimes they'll put above the caption, wait for it. Wait for it. Hold that. I'm going to come back to that. Wait for it. So say, I don't know if I can wait on God. I don't have no problem waiting on God. His credit is good with me. After that resurrection thing he pulled off, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Because you know what I found out? We wait all the time anyway. You know, you wait on somebody to reply to your email. You wait on the delivery of your Amazon package. You wait on the next season of Netflix, of Lupin. I mean, of whatever your thing is. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, huh But what does it mean when we talk about waiting on God? Most areas of our lives when we talk about waiting, it has a tendency to be very passive. You know, you're just waiting on the Amazon delivery. Just, you know, you might track it, but it has a tendency to be passive. But here, when Jesus is telling his disciples to wait, and when you're in that space and you're minding the gap between when it was proclaimed and when it was performed, when he's telling you to wait, he's not at all telling you to be passive about it. When you're waiting on God, it's different. Waiting on God is not passive, it's active. It's active, it's active. As a matter of fact, he says to them, let me, he says to them, let me just give you some instructions. He says, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. In other words, I want you to start in Jerusalem, and I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. What does he mean, wait in Jerusalem? In other words, there's something that God is going to start, and it's going to start in Jerusalem, but it's going to spread. That's the first thing. The second thing is that these men did not live in Jerusalem. 
but during this occasion, they are in Jerusalem. So what he's saying to them is he's saying, stay where you are. Wait, stay where you are. Start where you are. Start in Jerusalem. Somebody shout, start in Jerusalem. But it's interesting because it's not just start in Jerusalem, but it's also don't leave. Because it's one thing to start in God's will, but it's another thing to stay in God's will while you wait. And that's what he's telling them. He's not telling you to go book a flight to Jerusalem this morning. What he's telling you is you got to do what they had to do. You can't just start in God's will. You got to stay in God's will. Because see, what happens is when we're waiting on God to move on our behalf, sometimes we do our own thing. We wind up moving on our own behalf and make a mess. It's one thing to start in God's will. It's another thing to stay in God's will. Let me show you something. Because I want you to see this. And many of us haven't, aren't familiar with 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Stop. How many of y'all knew that before today? Jesus showed up after his resurrection. I'm going someplace. Jesus showed up after his resurrection. It wasn't in some corner in the secret. It was bold and in public. Jesus showed up to over 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. Now, everybody didn't see a ghost. They saw a resurrected Christ. But this is the part I like about it. When Paul was writing this, he clarifies most of whom are still living. So when he's writing this a couple of decades later, he said, and by the way, all them folk that saw him, they still live over there. Though some have fallen asleep. Now, by the time we get to Acts, y'all ready? Because we're going. By the time we get to Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 in the upper room. But over 500 folks saw Jesus. 500, over 500 saw Jesus, 120 in the upper room. I need you to see this. Somewhere between seeing Jesus and the promise being given of the Spirit. Over 380 folk thought there was something better to do than to wait on God. It's one thing to start in God's will, but can you stay in God's will while you gotta wait? As a matter of fact, he says to wait. The word wait there, that word, we only have one word for wait in English. You know what it is? Wait. But in Greek, there's plenty of different words for the word wait, and so in Hebrew, there's more words for the word wait, and the one thing I know about the word wait that's used in, in Acts chapter 1, it's the only time it's used there. 
It is a unique word. And what that tells me at minimum is that when he's telling them to wait, he's saying, I'm giving you a unique word. I'm communicating to you in such a way because I have something unique for you. Can you imagine waking up the next day after the spirit was poured out? And you had already seen Christ, a a resurrected Savior, but you missed the day of Pentecost. It never happened exactly the same way again. All you had to do is wait on God. All you had to do is stay in his will. And see, we're so tempted that when things don't happen, we, we, you know, we'll start in his will in January, but we'll stop being his will by February. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. We will start in his will, but when offense comes, we'll step out of his will. Come on, somebody. We will start in his will, but when trouble comes, we'll step out of his will. But can you start in the will of God and stay in the will of God until you get what God has promised? Because guess what? The promise is in God's will. It's not outside of it. Anything and everything that God promised you is in the will of God. Which means you cannot access it outside of it. Which means you've got to not just start in the will of God, you've got to stay in the will of God. If you were baptized today, it's a great place to start, but now stay in the will of God. If you gave your heart to Christ last year, wonderful place to start, but now stay in the will of God. Means you got to learn to stay in God's will. When folks talk about you, I'm going to stay in the will of God. I want to lick my hand, but I'm going to stay in the will of God. When it's not easy, don't do it. They tried to tell Miss Seely that or whatever Oprah's name was in it, but she didn't get it. Don't do it, Miss Seely. Don't do it. Stay in the will of God. When nothing is changing, whew, that's hard to stay in the will of God when nothing's changing because you feel like I can do something to change it. says no no he says don't leave stay there stay stay in God's will when our son was sick he was diagnosed with a brain tumor at I think 11 or 12 and and uh, went through the brain surgery and you know everything went fine until a few weeks later we got home after all the challenges and uh, was constantly just dizzy you know and the dizziness was so extreme that you couldn't, you couldn't turn his head without vomiting or look up, down, whatever, turn corners in the car, whatever, um, or even really sleep without feeling like he was upside down. And we went to the doctors, and the surgeon, which was a lovely surgeon, um, he said, I don't understand. He said, it's, it's not the tumor. He said, it's not the tumor that we took. He said, it's, I don't get it. He said, I'm baffled. We went to an oncologist, and she said, it ain't, I have no idea. Well, finally, we were just going, you know, this went on for months and months, and, you know, we're praying. It was just a really rough time, but I felt like in my heart, couldn't prove it, but I just felt in my heart that God was going to do something before, before that year was over, that something was going to shift. And so finally, his, the oncologist said, you know what? She said, well, I did have this one patient, and I, it sound, I think she said in, in the 70s, and we were in the uh, early 2000s. She said, um, she said 
that I sent to a vestibular therapist. I said, I don't know how to pronounce it, spell it, none of it, but um, just give me her phone number and we're going to go over to see. So we went over to this woman's um, small office and she did some tests on our son. And she said, oh yeah. She said, it's not, it's not his brain. She was able to figure that out by the test. She said, it's not his brain. I said, okay. She said, it's not his vision. Those are things that all cause dizziness. She said, what it is, is it's in the ears. I said, well, what happened with his in the ears? We really just went through one thing. She said, must have been the pressure shifted the crystals that have to stick together and stay in place. And when they don't stay in place, they hit each other and cause this dizziness, right? She said, I said, well, how are you going to fix that? Don't tell me another surgery. She said, oh, no. She said, all we got to do is just put him in a certain position, put him in a certain place. She said, and just lean him over that way. And she said, and then if I can just get him to hold it. She said, not even for a long time, just about two minutes. I said, Lord, good, good God Almighty, that's going to be hard. I told you he could look down, up and around. So she had a mat and she laid him on the mat. And, you know, she had him. It looked like somebody wrestling. She had him some kind of maneuver. And he's like this. He's like, oh, oh. I'm like, hold it down, son. Hold it down. Oh, oh. You know, try not to throw up. And uh, she was able to eventually get him to stay in position and when he stayed in position after he did that he got up he got a neck brace he had to wear it for 48 hours so that he would hold the position and do you know what after that 48 hours was up one of his because it was just one side at a time one side in the ear was completely healed he didn't have to dizziness on that side it dramatically decreased let me tell you something the trick for him to get that healing was that not only did he have to get in position, but he had to stay in position. The trick for you to walk into all that God has for you is not that you start in position, but that you stay in position. Even though you want to vomit, even though things are happening on the inside and the outside around you, but you got to stay in position to get everything that God has for you. Two weeks later, we went back and we had to do the opposite side, whatever position she had him in that way. She had to flip it the opposite way and put him in that position. And guess what? He was able to stay and hold that position and he's completely healed today because of it. And he was the one doing the baptizing this morning. How about that? stay in position. You stay in position. You stay in position. Stay in God's will. Stay in God's will. I'm going to move us quickly. Y'all ready? I was waiting for that because the elder James, amen. You see? Lord. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. So, as I told you, Luke started, or wrote, I shouldn't say started, he wrote it Acts, but really it's a sequel to, to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And so the Gospel of Luke ends where Acts picks up. And so Luke chapter 24, Luke is recording in the Gospel some of the specifics that are not in Acts. And one of the specifics is, is that uh, as Jesus was blessing the disciples, 
the Bible says he begins to ascend. Luke records he begins to ascend. So while he's blessing them, he begins to ascend and eventually disappears out of his sight. And then after that, the disciples, the Bible says, that they went back to the temple and began to praise God and pray continually. And when you look at that, the word there for praise, when they talked about praising God and praising God continually, is the same word for blessing. And so what's really interesting is that Jesus blesses them and then they bless him. Okay. They not only go back and bless them through praise, but they bless them through prayer. They're in constant communication and constantly talking to God in prayer. And what you recognize here in this place is that if you want to be able to not just, uh, if you want to be able to wait and wait on God and just stay in God's will, one of the best ways that you do that is to worship while you wait. Worship while you wait. You worship while you wait. You worship while you wait. You know, y'all heard the expression that says, uh, ask not, I think it was for World War II, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And it shifts you from being the subject to the country being the subject. And here's what I know. If you want to worship while you wait, this could help you a lot right here. Ask not how God can bless you, but ask how can you bless God. Because what it does in that moment is it shifts the focus from being you, your problem, your struggle, your pain, your need, your time frame. It shifts the focus on you and puts it back on God. What these men did, they didn't know how long they were going to have to wait. But all they did is begin to go back to the temple and bless God. God, I thank you. Thank you for the promise that you've given. Thank you for the word that was spoken to our answers. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is coming. Thank you, God, that we get to wait. Thank you that you're going to move on our behalf. God, we bless, and they begin to bless God, and while they were blessing God, he blessed them with power from on high. See, when you begin to worship, it puts you into the position to receive the blessing. Let me tell you what. It, it, it's almost like uh, 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 when a person is, I forgot the, the, the position, I'll just say a running back, a wide receiver. It's like a wide receiver. When the quarterback has already decided where the ball is going to be, the job of the wide receiver is to go where the ball is going. The job of the defense is to get him out of place. That's just like the devil. The job of the devil is that while you're waiting on the blessing to be passed, on the blessing to come, he wants to get you out of position. So what you got to do is say, no, 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 I'm going to stay in position. And one way I can stay in position is I'm going to worship while I wait. And as long as you can worship while you wait, you know you're not going to go the wrong direction. See, a lot of folks want to bless God and praise God after the blessing comes, but what he wants you to be able to do is to be able to praise him before it comes. God, I thank you. I'm going to bless you now because I trust you. I'm going to bless you now because I believe it's coming. I'm going to bless you now because you're just worthy. So you worship while 
you wait. You worship while you wait. He doesn't leave them there, though. He says, you know, I got, the, I got a great big plan. You're going to be witnesses for me. Somebody say witnesses. witnesses. He said, in other words, you got something you got to do for me. You got work to do for me. You're going to be witnesses for me first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, then the outermost parts of the earth. He's saying to them, essentially, the quickest way for God to get you where he wants you to get, where he wants you is to use, where he wants to is to let him use you where you are. Mm -hmm. Because you don't get to Judea without first being a witness in Jerusalem. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. So, here's what I know. While you're waiting, one of the best things you can do is let God use you where you are. Oh, let God use me after. Mm. There may not be an after if you're not letting God use you where you are. Because for them, what we see in their case was, it's got to start in Jerusalem. It's got to start where you are. It starts with the stage of life you're in. Let God use you there. The place, the position you are in on your job, let God use you there. The, 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 the grade that you're in in school or you, the level you are in in college, let God use you where you are so that after he uses you where you are, he can take you where he intends to send you. And that's the quickest way to get you from where you are to where he intends for you to be. Because you'll always deal with the space between when he proclaims something over your life and when he performs it. We get to decide what we do when we're standing in the gap. You can get on your feet and stand on your feet this morning. I want, it, I want you, I want to encourage you to wait. Encourage you to wait this morning. I'm going to pray. prayer for you this morning is that you're not discouraged while your mind in the gap. That you stay in the will of God. It may get rough, it may get hard. But stay in the will of God. Father, thank you this morning. There's so many promises that you have for your people. And the promises of God are yea and amen to the glory of the Father. They're all in Christ. They're all in the will of God. Lord, when it's uncomfortable, when it seems too long, help us to wait in your will and to trust you because you are trustworthy God you've proven it before time and time again and God we've come to realize that we only doubt God when we forget what he's already done so God we remember today the things you've already done for us and we wait on you and we thank you for it now in Jesus name